Hello, and welcome to Write Club Open Mic. This is a podcast all about new writing. Who knows? Perhaps it's going to be about your new writing. Each month, we're going to be sharing poems, stories, raps, scripts, recipes. Who, who knows? Anything that's been sent in to us in writing or an audio file, we're going to try and find a way to share it on this show. We love hearing you work, and we think that every writer has something within them that is worth sharing. Each month is going to have its own theme, and this month's theme is Chris. Uh, I'm getting too old for this shit. Very nicely delivered, Chris. There was a, a resonance of truth within your voice there that yeah, I meant it. Previous themes <laughs> didn't seem to have. Um, yeah, this theme is uh, I'm getting too old for this shit. Um, Chris, what do you think of the theme? Yeah, yeah, I like it. I think it's um, pertinent to, to how I feel right this second, but yeah. Do you feel old, Chris? Uh, well, yeah, kind of. I suppose it depends on the day. Kind of doing that noisy, kind of, ugh, getting in and out of chair thing. I don't know if that's synonymous for getting old, but I mean, that's me at the moment. So, yeah. That's very, that's very fair. Um, I feel a, I feel quite old as well, to mm-hmm. be honest, Chris. Um, h- h- hello, by the way. My name is Mark. Mark Grist. I'm a poet, performer, children's author, uh, workshop leader. I, I visit a lot of schools. And actually, Chris, I was in a school not too long ago, a primary school, where I was performing for all the students. And at the end of the performance, I said, does anyone have any questions at all? Anything. And I'll try and answer it. And one girl put her hand up. And the question was, how old are you? <laughs> 96. <laughs> I, well, do you know what? I thought, do you know what? I'll give I'll give them the truth. And I said, I'm 41 years old. And there was an audible gasp from the front row of the primary school students. I said, is that old? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, oh, oh dear. <laughs> so if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, I'd love to be 41, that's not old. Um I, I I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Um all I can say is if you ever head to that primary school, you will amaze these young people. They will think you're essentially a unicorn or something. <laughs> and no matter what age you are, you are very welcome to be here. All right. We're all older than we've ever been. Uh, and we've all experienced the the joys and frustrations, I suppose, of getting a bit older. Um, yeah. And uh, oh, Chris and I are very excited today, aren't we, Chris? Yeah. And, and, and guess why? Leanne's here. Hello. Hey, Leanne. Yeah. Hey, Leanne. Uh, so, Leanne Moden, you may have heard her on episode one. She shared a story and a poem about being a teenage goth in the Fens. Mega. It was a great piece. And then in episode two, we had a workshop um, running alongside that, um, creating work for this episode, actually. And Leanne was running that workshop. So, you may have had a workshop with Leanne. But if you haven't met her, we'll let her introduce herself. Okay, hello. Um, my name is Leanne Moden, and I am a poet, a writer, a workshop facilitator, all-round sort of creative, freelance type person. Um, and I'm 36 years old, uh, which feels both like a, a really strange thing and also like a really beautiful thing. It's nice to be um, to finally feel like I'm sort of 
comfortable and and I feel like I've got a bit of wisdom behind me and stuff you know um I was thinking actually about your um your chat there Mark about talking to primary school kids primary school kids when you go and see them they always want to ask you how many pets do you have they want to ask you your age and I made the mistake when I was working with some year fives the other week of saying well how old do you think I am Ooh, absolutely yeah. the wrong thing to say man <laughs> they were like oh mm, 60 and I was like okay cool <laughs> thanks guys and then just you know sloped off home bought a new moisturizer <laughs> but um but yeah no it's uh there's nothing like um talking to kids <laughs> to, to give you a bit just of perspective reaffirm, on yeah, yourself absolutely. you know <laughs> Well, um, we're gonna we're gonna forget those pesky kids <laughs> for one episode. I'm gonna celebrate the choice of all being a bit older than we were yesterday um, by hearing lots of and and this is the next super exciting thing. Yeah, this episode is all new writing. These are new pieces. Um, Leanne and I are a part of an online kind of writing group called Write Club, and members have been submitting work to get us started. But I know that Write Club members including us, are really, really excited to hear what we get. And that's what this episode is. We have no idea, really, what to expect. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a lot of pieces to get through. And, and I would say this, if you've sent in any work and it's not featured today, the work is still fantastic. There's still possibilities it could come in later in the series. Um, we've got some restrictions on how much we can, we can share, but we're going to try and boulder straight in. Our first piece, in fact, Chris. Hello. We'll put this in because this is literally a new piece inspired by last episode. <laughs> so Chris and I, at the start of each episode, we'd have a bit of a chat, really. Record part of that to put in. Last episode, we said something, there were some weird things said, right? We talked about don't disrespect the foam, I think was mentioned. Yeah, weird. Um, Gremlin, because uh, um, I called Chris the gremlin in denim. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a reasonably accurate description. Uh, do you know what? You, you wear denim very well. Chris. Thanks, thanks. Um, thanks very much. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. This term gremin and don't disrespect the foam um, really resonated with um, Moira, who I think you may have heard on episode one sharing a piece that she'd written based upon letters in her own name. Moira put pen to paper and has written Chris this little ditty. Sound fixer. Don't disrespect the foam, the gremin's home, that well-known, renowned for sound master mixer. Don't diss the sound fixer. The words heard, transferred, unblurred through the ether to receiver, neither tangled nor mangled, cos he wrangled them to be broadcast-worthy, no longer topsy-turvy. So agree with the master mixer sound fixer, and don't disrespect the foam, the Gremmons home. Hey. Wow, ah. love it. That's amazing. She's <laughs> got your back, Chris. I know. I know, I'm, I'm literally, I'm taken back by that because someone likes me. An actual person likes me. It's amazing. Yeah, that's wicked. I think you should have that on your website. You should have extracts for it on your business cards. Yeah, this yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, she's kind of part part poem, part like threat as well. Like, definitely like, <laughs> there's like a bouncer element yeah. to it. Or, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, she's at one with the foam. I also like there was wrangling was, was used, which made me think of wrangler as well. Like mm. a kind of... Clever. Right yeah. now, the listeners have got this image of me wearing all denim and cowboy boots. I'm sure that's that's probably the situation I find that myself is in. Pretty much what I picture, and I've seen you, Chris. Not being funny, that's what I'm wearing. So yeah, you know, yeah. That's, denim that's... vest, denim underpants. <laughs> it's all happening. Amazing! What a great piece to start with. What? Well, right, so next up, 
this is the first piece from someone that's not a member of the Online Riot Club. Um, this was sent in by Harry Wildings. One of the first pieces that got sent into the email account, words at rightclubopenmic.com is the email address to send work into. So Harry sent in this short story. Now, this piece was previously published in a printed pamphlet by Nottingham Writers Studio, and we think it's great. Better to do. It's a small film crew, young lads orbiting a spotlight in the park. One of them squares up to the camera, rapping along to a beat that plays faintly on a tinny speaker. Sounds good, actually. Reminds me of making films at college 20 years back, creating an oeuvre that mainly paid homage to Beastie Boys' sabotage video. Perhaps I should have gone to uni, pursued filmmaking that way. Instead, a college friend and I decided to spend money on film equipment rather than tuition fees. It seemed like the quicker route to success. We'd be getting paid for it by the time we were 22. Easy. Rich and famous by 25. Tops. It was exciting. And we made some decent stuff together. I enjoyed being behind and in front of the camera. But we didn't get anywhere. She met someone, had a kid, moved away. I became knackered and deflated from the call centre. Life happened, you know. It's exciting to see others on that similar journey now, though. I hope they have better luck than we did. Honestly, I hear Ian say. I let go of the bin and turn. He stands in the light of our open door, clad in slippers and his dressing gown. He scratches at his greying beard and says, they got nothing better to do on a Saturday night. I force a laugh and I walk back up the garden path. The girls want you to read to them, he says, bringing me close with one arm and giving me a kiss on the top of the head. He turns to go back inside, adding, Mummy does the voices better, apparently. I follow, giving one last look back to the park before closing the door. That was a great piece, wasn't it? Really conjured up like a whole world. Yeah, just a lovely snapshot and a reflection yeah. on life. Kind of missed opportunities, but, you know, finding joy in other people, you know, and where they are and, and, and being quite satisfied with, with the fact that you can't, you can't nail every shot, right? Yeah. What I really liked about it was that it was quite an emotionally complicated piece. It had like yeah. a real interesting arc to it. And there was, there's some regret in there. There's some like hope and some joy. And and this idea of taking uh, or, or of seeing younger people taking similar paths and having similar experiences. And it's like with everything, isn't it? You can tell younger people about, you know, how, how things might go in life, but there's nothing that's quite a substitute for getting it wrong, making your own mistakes, having your own successes. And I think this piece really encapsulates that in a really lovely way. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's, it's quite pertinent to myself because it kind of reminds me of me a long time ago with what I was going through and what I did before I did this. So even if we nod back to like taking your shot, at least at least you did. You know, it's one of those sort of things that you can kind of look back on and and kind of take solace with, I think. Yeah. And But also the narrator has achieved some amazing things, right? There's a mm. partner, there's children, there's a home, 100%. there's an outlook towards life, which is it's not something that just comes. You have to kind of like... Yeah, yeah. Work at it, so... Yeah, there's something really nice, isn't there, about when you're young, you think that fame, fortune, career is everything. Yeah. And sort of 
moving through life and realizing that it's actually relationships and connection that's important. Yep. It's like a nice theme in this piece. Harry, the standard is high with mm-hmm. that. What a great first piece. Thank you so much for sending it in. Um, right, well, our next piece um, is uh, from Jenny Woods. Now, Jenny sent this into our inbox. Again, one of the first pieces we received. She also sent to it at the same time a link to a theory called the U-Bend of Life Theory, mm. um, which is all about how we get older. And it, the U-Bend of Life Theory kind of states that when we're younger, about 20 years old, our outlook is pretty positive. You know, things seem pretty rosy. As we reach middle age, that outlook deteriorates and we hit this low point of the U-Bend before our outlook begins to improve again as we approach the end of our life. Now, this poem not only explores this U-Bend theory, but it displays it because the poem that was sent in is written in the shape of a U-Bend. Amazing. Um, Now, we can't play you that shape in an audio context, but we can play you Jenny's voice, which is all you need anyway to be able to enjoy the piece. Um, Here's what she wrote. U-Bend. It's cramped in here. Spines aren't built to curve this much. My chin kisses my chest most days, drool pooling softly behind my bottom teeth. I've been here most days for some time. Sometimes it's a pleasure to meet myself in the wallow of these walls and declare I am safe here, cocooned in the conch space, kidding myself I can hear the sea. Other times I feel the fabricated barricade, cheap plastic, slippery, hard. My skin squeaks. I scooch myself nearly to standing, going nowhere, broken hamster wheel. Past flailing, I'm flabby now. My knees knock. I spend a deal of time staring at my spilling abdomen. I picture myself a mother, but wager that's to be less myself. Wish to be more now. I long for the gurgle, the gush to thrust me out clean, the way only water knows how. Too often I dream of filth instead, and I am swimming in it. I wake disgusted and wonder how this is related. Elbows jammed into unyielding grey, I hammer fist ends, shouting, I wasn't always this way. He tinkers overhead, stops to listen, ear to the trap. I want to kiss it. I hear him calling my name occasionally. His tears, few, fall on my head. He's a plumber, but he can't figure this one. Ragdoll, I reach for a carry, hands high hanging fruit, suspended. I hug air but can't touch it, empty smile, sad clown, upended, change the record, he groans above. I grin ruefully. He or I or something holds this hammock at either end, safe from fall or flight. Glassy-eyed, through shuttered, rusted grate, I glimpse the grasping light, my fingernail, the brim catches holds its glare uh, i am speechless amazing yeah. it's a lot isn't it it's so rich yeah 
beautiful. I've got such goosebumps. You, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. I'm really a huge fan of a poem that takes a metaphor and runs with it. And this does that in such a relatable and incredibly well-written and well-performed way as well. Mm. I really felt like I was there in that yeah. in that space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, the, the claustro- you feel the claustrophobia yeah. um, through the piece and you can feel then the rise towards the end out of the U-Bend, but also it's sad, it's yeah. sad. I yeah. don't think we've heard a piece like that yet either, have we? Yeah. There's something really valuable in writing something that's got those sort of, I don't want to say negative emotions in it, mm-hmm, but it's mm-hmm. got those difficult emotions. Mm. Yeah, in it's it. uncomfortable. Yeah. It was, I don't know how you felt listening to that, but I enjoyed that it was a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Jenny, phenomenal. Yeah, really good. Really, really good. Um, on a side note, Jenny, I don't know if you, that's a deliberate backing track of like what sounded like a washing machine in the background. Does anyone yeah, else yeah. hear that? Like, yeah, I, there did, was, yeah. It sounded like there was some kind of, like, washing appliance or something that was... It felt very deliberate to me. Yeah, I wonder... <laughs> I, Jenny, it may not have been. It may that it's just like there was a fan on on a laptop or something. <laughs> I um, think it's an earthing thing, but... <laughs> yeah. Do you think? Mm, I think it was a soundscape. It's all. It's a tonal. It's, it's something a tonal in the background that makes something uneasy, right? That felt uneasy. Mm. Like, honestly, we we welcome all types of audio, don't we, Chris? We do. And we like it changes up. And that was a very good example Mm. where there was even a little bit of extra background sound that (laughs) added to the uh, themes of the poem. Yeah. Um, That was cool. Um, So, guys, next up, I want to ask you this. What did you think about getting older when you were a teenager? I know, Leanne, you've shared a piece on the series about being a teenage goth. When you were a teenager, did... The thought of ageing worry you or was it something you... It honestly never crossed my mind and getting older sort of never crossed my mind until maybe I hit 30 and then I was like, oh, yeah, this is (laughs) happening now. And um, yeah, I think when you're a teenager, you think you're invincible and you also think you're just going to be the same forever. It it kind of is a bit... I mean, my friends and I, I I grew up... um, a place called Cainsham in the southwest. We would go to the local pub every Friday night. Once we were eighteen, for like two years, pretty much. Um, we just thought that would happen forever. Now the prospect of getting all those guys together in a pub—I mean, that would take six months to coordinate it. Yeah, and everybody um, would drop out at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what about you, Chris? What did you think about age when you were younger? Yeah, I think it's it's synonymous with everybody. You don't really. You don't think of it at the time. You don't give it a second thought, do you? Because you've got so much ahead of you that you're thinking, well, it doesn't affect me at all at the moment. But I think when you get a little bit older, you start, it starts creeping in a bit and you start thinking a lot about it. So yeah, I get that. I totally feel the vibe of that. Absolutely. And you know what? I think that's one of the many reasons why this next piece is so impressive. This was written by Monica, um, a student in year nine. Um, I visit a lot of schools, um, One of the schools I visited recently was overseas. Uh, I worked with a bunch of students and one of those students, Monica, went away and wrote her own poem for this podcast series um, and her teacher has sent it over Uh, and it's a great piece. I'll let Monica introduce herself. My name is Monica. I'm Mexican and my inspiration for this poem was that morning my sunscreen, like my favourite sunscreen bottle ran out and I was feeling very emotional about that for some reason and I wanted to connect it with a feeling of 
fear of growing old and nostalgia that I had been feeling for a while. Um, and so that's where the metaphor came from. And from then I kind of just wrote. And did it come easily? Yeah, a bit, quite yeah. easily. Yeah. I was listening to um, to Mark speak. And yeah. I just got inspired from that to make... So you were writing it then when he was speaking? Yeah, mm. to make a poem to connect with your real life. Because before that, all my poems were more focusing on rhymes and techniques. And this one was, I think, my first one, which was to do with my life. When the sun danced through the leaves, chasing my friends and I through the trees, laughing and playing in naive bliss, those are the days I miss. For now, the sun is a reminder of the thoughts that will line my arms, so I apply sunscreen mindlessly, and the sun has lost all his charm. Because I'm scared of growing old, but this very thought is what makes me age. For if I don't sound or act like a child anymore, are my thoughts what keep me sane? If I can't run like I used to, if I can't laugh like it either, if my nights have become longer than my days, but I prefer neither, if I have lost all feeling when I play, has it been my last time? If I will lose all feeling when I write, which will be my last rhyme? So I resort to poetry, resenting aging with intense bigotry. I write, and I write, and I write with full throttle, for a pen is more reliable than a sunscreen bottle. That was wicked. Monica, that was so good. That was amazing. Um, love the ending to that. And the techniques throughout Monica, I think that um, when, when I work with um, young people when I deliver workshops, I often talk about a poem being a bit like a bus journey. You know, that we've got to kind of keep people interested in, our, in the journey all the way through. And our techniques keep people like on the bus with us for the poem as we're, as we're kind of performing or, 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 or they're reading our, our work. And um, I think the techniques were really, really effectively used to keep me kind of locked on the bus. And I could feel the depth of feeling within the piece as well. Um, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it was it was really, really cool. I really liked the idea of um, almost almost like creativity being the way to keep young. Um, that was a really interesting yeah. theme in this poem. And um, certainly that's how it feels to me. Like every time I feel like I'm getting a bit old and and feeling a bit tired out um just going and hanging out with people and writing poems and doing arty stuff always like reinvigorates that and i think she she really captures that in this piece of writing yeah i agree i think if i do anything creative working here or if i do any compositional work or musical session guitar work or anything like that love it it just, it just keeps me it keeps me kind of together monica it was fantastic um and so yeah let's move on to our next Submission. Uh, this came in from uh, a writer called Sarah Dixon. Yeah, so um, Sarah came along to the workshop that I ran last month. Um, and this workshop was all about getting older, um, ageing and ageing as a, a good thing, ageing as a positive thing. And this particular activity that we put together was writing an ode to a particular part of your body. And we made sure we said, you know, no rude bits. <laughs> um, that was really important because um, this is a family show. Um, but Sarah's piece, um, which I think talks about um, her skin and her body and how she feels about it and how it has changed and how it has grown with her over the course of her life is just a beautiful piece. Contained by Sarah L. Dixon. 
You keep me together, stretch to shine in some places, pucker too. You help me carry a child and I'm sorry you were cut. It wasn't in the birth plan. You're speckled from the sun and sometimes stress flakes you on my eyelids. You've taken injections, endured blood tests, my clumsy scuffs and scrapes and oven burn lines. I forget to moisturise you apart from my face. You harden on my feet, accustomed to more walking. You are ticklish around my waist, at my wrists, behind my knees. You are elastic, but becoming less so. You are dealing with menopausal redistribution admirably. You are inherited from my nana on my mother's side, along with the cheekbones and tactlessness. You join in my smile, add to my frown. You feel my tears stain your surface. You like to swim in seas in pools. You enjoy small weight work, the chance to encase toned muscles. But you deal well with fat deposits too. You respond to another's touch, the lightening of fingertips through flimsy summer dresses. You long to be massaged by hands that know you well. I wonder when there'll be someone new to discover your contours, map your scars, your marks, your changing terrain, soft, wrinkled, rough, ready. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sending that over. Um, what a great piece. Amazing ending again. How did you feel hearing that? Really lovely. But what particularly impressed me about this poem was, uh, I'm going to get technical here with technical poetry language, but I really liked the personification, um, the direct address and the way that she says you when she's talking about her body and her skin, almost as if it's a conversation or if it's a, a praise um, piece directly to um the body part, which I think is really, really cool. And I think what she also does really well in this is brings in all those different senses as well. There was a lot about touch. There was a lot about, you know, all those kinds of sensations in the body as well, which I think made it really sing as a mm. piece of writing. It was wicked. Yeah, absolutely. That that personification is amazing. And, and you know what? If you're listening to this right now and you're looking for an idea for something to write about, why not personify a body part that you have maybe right to that you can even choose a rude one if you want because it's not for the podcast Absolutely. up to you whatever you'd like to write for but that that technique works really well um and it's kind of carried through the poem um yeah loved it absolutely loved it so lovely the different tone that we've got here in the piece compared to the other pieces and and, and you know what so cool to get to hear about the exercise mm -hmm. and then hear the poem that's created off the back of it. Um, Leanne, I wanted to ask you this. So for those who are listening, I sat in on Leanne's workshop and it was amazing. I think you are, you are really, really good at working with people and running workshops. What do you feel makes a good workshop? Oh, what a great question. So I think um, there's like a few things that make a good workshop. So the first thing is um, everybody being prepared to sort of do the exercises and do the activities and coming to it with a sort of open 
mind, an open and enthusiastic mind. So that's how to be a good workshop participant, I think. And how to be a good workshop leader, the main thing that you need is to be able to listen and respond to what people are sharing and be able to give them that sort of positive reinforcement. Because I think I personally believe, and this is controversial, so hang on, um, I... um, I personally believe that there is no such thing as a bad poem or a bad piece of writing. There's only, you know, a first draft. There's only things that can be improved upon. So I think once you take that away from your sort of anxieties of being like, oh, what if I write a bad poem? What if I write a bad story? There's no such thing. There's just like, it's a first draft the next version you can improve upon. And personally, I find that really helpful to just be like, okay, there's no pressure here. If I don't like it, I can change it or I can screw it up and put it in the bin and no one will know, you know. So um, I think that really helps to give you a an, an impetus to start something. It's a scary thing. Yeah, it is. When you, yeah. you try and put down something creative and then share it with other people. That's a really good way of looking at it. So our next piece... Um, is from one of our online Write Club members, um, Deborah. So Deborah has written a piece, bang on with the theme as title. Um, this is her piece, I'm Getting Too Old for This Shit. I'm too old for this shit. Throwing panic attacks in the park instead of balls for my dog and catching cutting comments when I'd rather be flinging frisbees. I'm too old for this shit. Feeling out of place in the space I'd felt safe. Not ten minutes gone, now leaving in haste, feeling chased from the green where I'll never be seen again. I'm too old for this shit. Putting my key in the door, feeling raw, the shakes makes my hand miss the hole. My foot kicks the water bowl and I cry. Tears run brown as mascara drips down. I'm too old for this shit. So I sit, breathing deep. My soul in a heap, but my dog lifts her chin and the feel on my skin brings my heart to a rhythm that's calming within. So hold my head high, wipe my eyes dry and smile. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I... I don't know if you're listening to this and you're thinking, are they just going to say, oh, it's really good again? again." (laughs) That's my initial response. It's just really good, Deborah. I really Mm. loved it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because I own two dogs, Mm. but I love, I love the turn in the poem when that happens and the repetition's really effective. The, the, the rhyming, um, the structure, it's a very worthwhile, I don't know what minute, yeah. Of time getting to sit and enjoy that poem. Yeah, I, I really loved it as well. I think we talk a lot about um, mental health for younger people and mental health just generally, but I think mm. there's something really important um, and this sort of highlights that conversation about mental health as you get older and um, how your perception of yourself can change and your sort of society's perception of you as an older person and particularly an older woman, I think is really interesting. And I think Deborah's done such a good job of of giving that a voice, you know? Yeah. Plus it's tightly packed together. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Thank you so much, Deborah. 
Okay, so we are not just playing audio files on these episodes. We are going to try and share some writing that's been sent in as well. Um, now, we've got three poems, um, one for each of us to read out, I think, maybe, um, that have been sent in. Um, I kind of put out a request for haikus and limericks, and um, and actually, we've got a great haiku and limerick um, that both came in from from one person, uh, Vicky Lloyd West. And I think as a combo of haiku and limerick, um, she rules the roost with these. Uh, which one would you guys prefer first, limerick or haiku? Haiku. There you go. <laughs> uh, Chris, uh, do, do you want to read it? You could, uh, Do you want to give it a go? Uh, I can, but I think you should. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, I'll go for this. Um, First I crawled, then walked, now run and talk. Time now to ditch the pampers. Yes, (laughs) love that. Uh, And the limerick, I think this is on you then, Chris. Yeah, really, okay. I'd uh, (laughs) suggest you go again. Do you know what? I think Leanne should go. How about that? Yeah, but you're going to be left with the big one. Am I really? There's a big, there's a third oh, sorry, one. Sorry, I quite... just realised I, I can't find my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, Leah, do you want to read this, the, the, the limerick? Do you want to have a go at this? Yeah, I, think, I can. Um, let's see if you can. There once was a king, Charles III, who waited for years to be heard. But at his coronation, he felt no elation. I'm too old for this shit, he observed. Lovely. That's really great. <laughs> cool. cool. <laughs> I really yeah. like that. I, I find the limerick just really satisfying. Yeah, it's the rhythm that makes it, isn't it? It's those syllable counts. And yeah. once you've got it, trips off the tongue. Very yeah, nice. it's, it's good for someone, someone like myself because the thing is about that, it's the same with music. It, patterns are easy to recognise and your brain instinctively will do that. So with something like this, it's more connectable on the small bite-sized elements That's to it. interesting. Okay, so the next piece from Gareth Barsby. Now, you heard Moira at the start of this episode reading her piece inspired by the foam uh, here at Backland Studios. Well, Gareth Barsby wrote a poem inspired by Moira's poem in episode one. Uh, He's done the same thing. He's taken his name and created a poem using just the letters in his name. It's quite short, but it's pretty good. (laughs) It made me laugh. His poem goes like this. Gareth Barsby, the great, the sharer, the rare, the beast. <laughs> nice one, Gareth. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a great yeah. one, isn't it? It's funny. Um, and actually, Gareth not only sent us that, but he sent us another one that's longer, that's quite funny as well. On theme here, so this is Gareth's piece. Um, yeah, we often wonder what happens with the good with with the good guys. You know, we we want all the the lovely creatures of the forest to have a wonderful time and and win the day. But what about that villain? How do they feel always having their plans scuppered? Does that age them a bit? (laughs) This is called I Don't Feel Evil Today. I am the great Lord Nasty Vile, known for my villainy and guile and for my large nasty smile. But I don't feel evil today. Plans should be brewing in my head. Plans to render happiness dead. But I draw a blank, for as I've said, I don't feel evil today. I often 
terrorize these lands where happy animals sing and dance. But I don't think I should take a chance for I don't feel evil today. Maybe I've been doing this too long. Battling these creatures who sing happy songs. They always defeat me. They've always won. So I don't feel evil today. Normally, I terrorise those animals with wide, cute eyes. But maybe like them, I should be nice. Maybe I should change my ways. Maybe I'll stop my evil schemes and go outside into this world of dreams and eat cupcakes and mm, ice creams. No, I won't be evil today. Oh, I love that. That's lovely, isn't it? So this next piece is from Pippa Davies. Now, Pippa also attended Leanne's workshop the other day, and this is a, a praise poem for an ageing body that Pippa wrote. So this is inspired by a workshop Leanne Moden ran online and it's a praise poem for an ageing body. This is actually for ageing bodies. The group of us who regularly swim in a local river, mostly whatever the weather, we don't stay in very long but we find it extremely exhilarating and we reward ourselves with coffee and cake afterwards Um, and it just gives you a really great buzz older women against the elements and all that in praise of blue tits thighs and underarms of jelly bellies and bums of blancmange vermicelli veins and curchy cellulite these are bodies But in our minds, we're Tom Hardy, Keanu Reeves and Brad Pitt, cast as outlaws and bandits. On the River Clethai, we delinquent mermaids, we badass Amazons take a dip. That is absolutely bad. Isn't that that. cool? That's cool. That was brilliant. Really, really good. Really good. So much humour and so much warmth in a piece about being so bloody cold yeah 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 in the river as well um yeah oh thank you so much pippa we really really loved hearing that um if you've been listening to um these pieces and think i want to go amazing we want you to have a go too we need your work and this podcast series only works if you guys send things in and if you want to send us in anything at all inspired by the work you've heard today, please do. Uh, that's kind of cool, right? We could share that. Or if you'd like to submit something that relates to a, an upcoming theme, we've got a really good one. We've got a theme coming up, um, which is show me the money. People say there's no money in poetry, but there's no poetry in money either. Well, th- there's going to be. Say what? For one episode of this podcast, um, we are going to have Leanne with us again. Um, We've enjoyed this so much. Leanne's going to come back and we are going to be sharing poems, raps, stories, scripts, anything you've written about money or our relationship with money or anything that's valuable. 
I suppose. Maybe you think there's something more valuable than money. You want to write about that. That'd be pretty cool. We're going to talk a little bit about funding, I think, during that episode, because that's something that both Leanne and I uh, navigate as artists. And a lot of people ask us about funding and how to get pots of money. So if, if you want to learn about those things, we can explore them on that episode. And right, this is the only time we're going to do this in the series. But as the theme is show me the money, we are going to put some of the project budget behind this one piece of audio recording that the three of us select. Um, that writer will receive one hundred and fifty pounds for their piece of writing. I know, one hundred percent going for that. <laughs> mm, nice. So yeah, if you want to have a shot at the 150 pounds or um, or you just want to kind of uh, maybe kind of complain about uh, capitalism <laughs> in, in, in general, by all means, send it in. Um, our email address is words at rightclubopenmic.com. We would love to hear what you've got. The 150 pounds will be for an audio piece, but we will also put 50 pounds towards a written piece if you just want to put one of those Lovely. in. Lovely. <sighs> I know. Thank you, Arts Council. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So we're kind of just about finished. Um, the last piece we're going to hear is from one of our Right Club online members. Now, I've known this member for a long time. Her name is Jackie. Uh, she's based on the Isle of Man. And she is, I think, as a writer and performer, she just blows my mind. She's so engaging in how she performs. Um, I met her a while ago. She'll tell you a little bit about that. But um, but yeah, Jackie has got a fantastic story. Here's Jackie. Uh, so I first met Mark in 2019. He'd come to the Isle of Man for the Manx Lit Fest, which is quite a big event on the Isle of Man's literary calendar. But I came to writing late in life. I didn't come to writing until my, my early 40s. I think it was a surprise to everybody. Nobody expected it. I wasn't a poet. I'd been a professional musician for 20 years and I taught brass and piano for, for a long time and a poem just came to me. I don't quite know what happened. A lot of other things happened to my brain at that time, but poetry came, performance ability came. I lost all my inhibitions and it just released this explosion with no self-consciousness whatsoever. It was it was a strange experience. I had no inhibitions. I wanted to go out and I wanted to throw poetry absolutely everywhere. Yeah, people found it overwhelming. Some friends found it very overwhelming, actually. My family found it very difficult. My father found it very difficult. This sounds awful, yeah, but it was, it was a strange experience. So Tartar to Boo is a very full-on poem about the battle between a raven and a phoenix. And the 16-minute poem that grew out of it is also very full-on, very intense. Nor open me up like the yielding air that you greedily peck to the drips on the tip of your monstrous beak and no more is left save the notch on your wing or the saliva that meanders down a tataboo chin. Your tataboo raven, tataboo call your talons are fierce, but you're the hunter no more. When I saw Jackie perform at the Manx Slam, I was totally in awe of her performance. She was fearless on the stage as she performed, diving about, making such use of the space, really working the crowd too. I'm Tataboo Raven, your sharp mouth is mine. A moment of thrill in my Tataboo, Tataboo valleys of time. Tataboo Raven, beat, beat to my drum. I'll feet till I spot to a satation. I will gorge myself drunk. Tataboo Raven, Tataboo, such a sweet beast and so forbidden. Let me gobble up you. Jackie's Tataboo poem 
went on to win the Manx Slam. A prestigious achievement. Most people would probably leave it there, but Jackie decided she wanted to try and win the Slam again. I developed a condition, zero-negative rheumatoid arthritis, but it left me completely incapacitated for, um, for a very long time. So, so what happened in 2020 is that I won the slam again. It was a piece about my health and my experiences, my health and natural healing, because I do, I've had a lot of severe health problems. I know, I know, I don't mean to sound ungrateful. I do believe that things go wrong, that bodies are odd and basically we're lazy humans. I get it. But I work my deformed bum off to reduce my medication. So when I speak, I promise you it is only because I am educated. And what I know is this. The industry of which we speak is not doing its best. It's not just flawed. Its values are toxic by that. It's very core in our brains. Our brains are massive, underused and disconnected. And homeostasis, that state of balance, is the natural habitat of humans. And I only wish more people knew the power that exists when you decide to take control. The natural healing like John Sarno, Charles Ind and the Patterson program were researched like pharmaceuticals and taught in all the schools. Because when you're on your deathbed, who wants to say they spent their days just being sick? And I tell you now until my dying breath, that won't be me. Oh no, I'll say that was not me. Not me, I'll say. Oh no, I lived. And so after I'd written the one about the health one, um, yeah, I nearly didn't do the slam again because I thought, oh gosh, it was giving me extreme stress and anxiety. I was quite caught up in imposter syndrome and feeling I had to prove myself again and again and again. When I nearly pulled out, I didn't want to do it. It was just I had a piece, actually. I wrote this one about ageism, which was really a really important thing to me. When, when I came out of this big second arthritis flare and I discovered poetry, I won the slam, I also joined a rap band with my trombone. And it was almost like, why didn't this happen 15, 20, 30 years ago? Um, but also I had a few negative reactions, which I felt were unfair um, based on my age. I was performing once and I... I think I look a bit younger than I am. And these ladies said to me, <laughs> they said, are you a student? And I said, no, I'm 42. And they had watched me perform. Um, I was doing some poetry busking and they had been completely enthralled. And the minute I said my age, the magic just, it was like it shattered like glass. And they just looked horrified. <laughs> but there were a few other comments, um, a few just mean, passive aggressive comments, because I was hanging out with some rap artists who were in their 20s and having a lot of fun. And they were great. My, my rap friends are absolutely brilliant. They're so supportive. And they've never mentioned anything about age. They've always made me feel welcome. So, so I, I created this ageism poem. So I thought I'd take it to the slam and see what happened. And this is what I performed. In 4.5 billion years, this earth has soared through these skies. And here we all are caught up in the individual universes of our own unique lives. Little bundles of neurosis, monkey minds, primitive urges, hopes, dreams, fears, expectations, chaos, clutching at anything that might give our lives meaning. So tell me why, oh why, oh why, must we negate half these precious years of our minuscule lives by being ageist? It's a unique phenomena, don't you think? That when the average lifespan is less than a flash in a pan in terms of existence that we scathe, undermine, sneer and dismiss people just for getting older. And I appreciate youth. That's not the point. Youth has a beauty that cannot be surpassed and my heart is crushed when I hear the pressures that a youth are under just to fit other social expectations that are also mere fabrications of limited imaginations. But here's the thing. 
The passing of time cannot be controlled not by Botox or hair dyes or white lies on forms. Yet so many people I know who hit 40 feel silenced and dump themselves in a box of washed up. And why? Why? Because society lies to us. Now I'm going to tell you a secret I very rarely share. I started rapping aged 42 on a festival stage wearing gold flares. But it was two years before I told my bandmates that I wasn't 38. And why? Because some people felt that as I straddled 40, that I should feel ashamed. And it took me a while to realize that actually I was doing just fine. In fact, for the first time in my life, I finally felt I knew my mind. And I've worked hard to get here. And I have learned hard along the way. And I've heard some bullshit spoken by people who think they have a right to spit closed-minded opinions just to gaslight the wise and the old ones. But I am big enough now, which is why my voice is loud because when I was young I was too afraid of life to be someone which is sad because now I know what no one ever tells you it is hard but it's beautiful getting older friendships deepen expectations lessen you no longer take shit or get starstruck and why because if you've lived long enough you'll know seasons shift like falling stars to them blink they'll be gone every summer, winter, spring, and autumn, because for 4.5 billion years, this earth has soared through these skies. So even if you live to 100, you'll only ever have 0.000002% of that time to learn how to live your life. And getting old is a privilege. It's not a right, it's not a given, so how's it a curse? And is it not time to call it out for what it is? More time to love, to learn, to laugh, to live, to leave. Your small, small print on big, old earth. That was Jackie, the Isle of Man's only three-time slam champion. What a great piece to finish with. What a great episode as well. Have you had a nice time, Leanne? Such a nice time. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's yeah. good. Chris has got good coffee as well, which helps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's contentious. Like we... <laughs> He's not happy with the coffee. I'm not though. happy with the coffee. <laughs> but uh, I thought, yeah, I think it's pretty good. Um, so here's the thing. Um, Leanne has run a brilliant workshop. I'm currently running one at the moment um, this month um, for the series. Um, both our workshops have sold out, which is amazing. Thank you guys so much for, for buying tickets. The next workshop is going is is only on sale now it probably will sell out too because the next workshop will be run by jackie maury grace who you've just heard she is leading our next workshop there are still some tickets available but i i believe this will sell out um i think with the extra Eventbrite ticket charge or whatever it comes about six pounds 13 for a ticket if that is a difficult amount to find at the moment there are details on the event page of how to get hold of us um we will find you a space on the workshop if um if that's tricky to get hold of the workshop is titled the poetically powerful value of you uh, with jackie maury grace um yeah what could you uncover within that um we have loved hearing your pieces please remember we need your work uh, words at rightclubopenmic.com is where to send your audio files and your text whether it's pieces about money and you want to try and win that 150 pounds or whether you just want to send us anything inspired by what you've heard so far um we will definitely try and get it played thank you so much leanne for coming in and joining us thank you for having me and and chris thank you as well yeah cheers chris yeah chris you've done an amazing job it's been really lovely today guys thanks a lot well um i thought we should go and should we go 
get smashed. Well, that's, yeah, let's go. I was trying to think about an age thing. Like, what would be a... Like oh, a, okay. getting older. Should we go and pick out some curtains? The first thing that came to mind was have a game of Twister, but that's not very... <laughs> I don't know. I don't, yeah. All right. We're going to go and have that's a game great. of... That's great. Let's do that. Uh, badass Twister. <laughs> yeah. Ass Twister, though. Oh, no. <laughs> very different that's connotation. A... <laughs> um, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> this podcast was presented by me, Mark Grist, and Leanne Moden, who you've just heard as well. It was produced by Chris Barn at Backland Studios. Thanks so much to everyone who submitted work and a special thanks to all the writers we were able to feature on this episode. This podcast was made possible thanks to public funding from Arts Council England. Thanks so much for listening.